The Start On On Demand. Hey, it's Brett. It's the Thursday edition of the podcast for The Start with Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And today we're going to have a conversation about when you do dumb things that you instantly regret. Mackling found a story about a guy who almost got hosed out of his very expensive plane ticket because of a simple typo. We're also going to Killarney for the small town salute. Christmas in Killarney this weekend. We'll give you full details on that. And I, of course, will ask about golf and what to eat in the region. We're going to talk about wait times. The report says wait times in ERs in Winnipeg are down but they're still not very good, so we will speak to the health minister. We're going to learn about the block parent program. Is it still a thing? Because the situation in Transcona had some people wondering if it is still, in fact, a thing. And it is, but how many people are a part of it? And finally, Monster Jam happening this weekend at Bell MTS Place. We're going to speak with Cam McQueen, the driver of Northern Nightmare. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb alongside Jeff Braun, Kelly Moore, Jeff Fortier. And right now we're going to talk about the things that we do, the dumb things that we do that we instantly regret. And Greg, what is inspiring this discussion? Well, sometimes you read a headline and you go, oh man, that hits a little bit too close to home. Here's the headline. Expedia tells customer he'd lose $1,500 flight over misspelled name. Subheadline. Mo Shaheen omitted one letter when booking a non-refundable multi-city ticket. And that took me back to this past summer when we went to Richardson International Airport at 5 o'clock in the morning, went to check in for our family vacation to Chicago, and we slide our passports in and they scan them. Passport does not match. Passport does not match. Uh Uh-oh. Long story short... Jackie and I have been married for 13 years as of November 19th. I put her maiden name <laughs> on the ticket. Oh. And, well, it took her about three days to get over the fact that I'd made such a mistake. Fortunately, they took care of things for us. I think it's because we were there early enough and there was enough time to, for them to, to speak to Delta and to sort everything else. But when I read that, I thought... Boy, oh boy, did I ever dodge a bullet. Because all this guy did, he booked his brother's ticket for him and he omitted an H in the name. Just misspelled it. Just misspelled it. Wow. As soon as they went out and said, Kelly, this is what we want to talk about this morning, he went, oh "Oh, boy. What do you got? (laughs) Oh, back when I was running the country station in Kamloops, we uh, took a trip down to Nashville for the country music seminar. And when I was doing hockey, I would primarily book my own trips. But we went through a travel agent for this. And for some reason, my ticket was printed up as Ms. Kelly Moore. Oh, boy. Oh, boy is right. Trying to get there. The beard's a giveaway. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to get there and trying to get back over one little letter. And it it wasn't even my mistake. I could have lived with it if it was something I had done. But it was the travel agent presuming. How how does Ms. Kelly and Mrs. Karen get together? Well, okay, I get it now. (laughs) Mackling's looking at me. Be liberal more. That was a long time ago. People didn't think that way. It's amazing, though, how a little slip like that can create such headaches. 
And you don't realize it's after. Sometimes it's the ones that you do, and then you're like, start to sweat as soon as you've made that mistake. Well, this guy realized it right away. He was like, oh! Yes, stop! Come back! Come back! Made a phone call, like, right away. And I, like, there always used to be, like, that 24-hour period or 12 or 6 with a flight, right, where you could cancel it without penalty. and For sure. Make sure that you put the exact name that is on your passport. Uh, when you're traveling, like if you, yeah. you know, go Kelly Omore instead of the full middle name or whatever, holy, that, that, that's another It's frustrating living in a world where you're not allowed to make a mistake like that. No way It's ridiculous because yeah. every single day they must get at least a handful of typos. And to not have a system that can deal with the typo quickly, that's ridiculous. The problem it's I like run Twitter. into, with it's with the passport and the credit card because one of them says Jeff and one of them says Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. And then, and then when I'm filling out forms, especially for travel, it's like, well, do they want my credit card name or my passport name? Yeah, like you're a spy or something, yeah, and you're carrying and like, like multiple passports. Just like toss it out. So I was like, well, I'll give them one. I'll give them the big one, and hopefully, it's not a problem like it is for some of these other people. hasn't hasn't been a problem yet, but it makes me anxious every time. I just remembered a dumb thing that my friend did, or as the way he put it, very calmly, he said, "I I did a bad thing." We were at Bell Acres <laughs> Golf and Country Club. Which is uh, off the off Sturgeon Road, just north of the city, north of the perimeter highway, and we finish our round. Puts his clubs in the trunk, closes the trunk, and then he immediately stops and goes, "I did a bad thing." Uh, and right. I said, "Lock your keys in your trunk." And he says, "Yeah." I say, "Do you have a, a spare?" Yeah. Where is it? It's at home. <laughs> well, home is by the mint. <laughs> so I had to drive him to the mint. And then take him back to Bell Lakers and then back home. So, <laughs> so he obviously was not a CAA member. No. Well, I had an incident uh, with my firstborn. I think he was one and we were still, he was still on the bottle after nursing. And, and so we went at Polo Park and I put him in the back of the car in his car seat, shut the door, went to the trunk because now we're switched to formula and I was mixing his bottle in the trunk, closed the trunk. My keys are in the trunk. So now I'm holding the bottle. My kid is locked in the car. (laughs) (laughs) And thank God. And the keys are in the car. And thank God I had my phone on me. I mean, there's people I could have stopped. But I was instantly, and he just sat there looking at me. And I was like, hey, buddy, just one second, one second. And it's a hot day. And now I'm the woman with the kid in the car on a hot day. And I phone CAA, and I'm not a member. And they came within three minutes anyway. Really? Yeah, I, he, they were so quick. I was like, please, I'm so sorry. Like, and, and then you're trying to explain how you're so stupid. Like, as soon as the, yeah. as soon as the trunk slammed, I was like, oh, my God. Like, That's my not child. what you said. No. <laughs> yes, it was, Kelly. There was zero Did swear they make words. you buy a membership before they No. Helped you? And then I tried to give him some money. He's like, I can't take your – like, I'm slipping him, like, a 20 and three loonies. And he's like, I can't take your cash. But really, really nice. I once uh, was house sitting, uh, dog sitting, and uh, they let me use their their car while I was there. So I, or no, I put my car in their garage. That's what it was. So I put my car in their garage, but I had the house key on a separate chain. So I pull my car into the garage, close the garage, lock the door, and then uh, I go to get into the house and realize the house keys are in my car in the locked garage. <laughs> so I had to call a locksmith. <laughs> to get into their garage, <laughs> and that negated the the money that they paid me to take care of their dog. <laughs> Sm-
Small Town Salute brought to you by South Beach Casino and Resort, where service sets them apart, southbeachcasino.ca. This week we are going to Killarney, Turtle Mountain, and we're speaking with the mayor, Rick Pauls, joining us live this morning on 680 CJOB. Mr. Pauls, Mayor Pauls, good morning to you, sir. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Before we talk uh, Small Town Salute Christmas, what's the snow situation out there? Uh, we got about the same as you, about 10 centimeters. Uh, we had a lot of freezing rain beforehand, so it's pretty slick out here right now. Rick, it feels as though you've been mayor of Killarney for a long time. How long have you been mayor? Uh, I've just started my fourth term, and yeah, everybody says that. It's, a, it's been a long time. So uh, I've been in for 12 years, started my 13th, uh, and it, it's a good honor. I'm actually the longest-serving mayor in the history of this community. Well, congratulations on that. Killarney is uh, close to my heart. My dad, uh, stepdad works at Tri-Lake Health Center and uh, spent a lot of time in Killarney over the years. Uh, talk about Friday night. We were talking and discussing the Santa Claus Parade here in Winnipeg a couple weekends ago and the fact that it takes place at night. And I'm sure someone out uh, listening to us, if not more than one, texted us and say, hey, Winnipeg's not the only place that does their Santa Claus Parade at night. That's right. We do ours here, uh, and it's going to be happening tomorrow night. Um, we have a lot of agricultural uh, dealers and things like that here who really go all out. Uh, we actually have, have quite a good parade, and we usually have several thousand people come out uh, to, to watch it, which for a community of our size is quite a good turnout. I love, love people from far and wide to come see it. I love the sounds of having all those equipment out there. What are we talking about, like tractors, the big cats? Like What, how do, they, what, do, what do we see, and how do they decorate? They do uh, combines, tractors, uh, semis, and and all lit up with lights. Like, they really go all out. And it's almost like they have a competition between them to see who can throw more lights and have a more spectacular float. So um, as we look at the website here, I see that it's Christmas in Killarney all weekend. It's not just the Santa Claus Parade. Uh, There's also events happening on Saturday as well. What can you tell us about that? We have a lot of it's going on for uh, for the kids and things like that to, to get to meet Santa Claus. Uh, all the businesses have sales going on. There's a huge hockey tournament in town this weekend. Um, we we have a, a lot of different things. There's, there's a craft sale. Um, there, there's a lot of different uh, events just to get people in the Christmas mood. Christmas in Killarney is is typically uh, typically one of our, our larger events of the year. Uh, and, and as you might know, there's a song written about us, Christmas in Clarny. Oh, hold and on, hold on the there. Society, Beverly, good morning. I happen, good morning. I happen to have it the just right green, here. The ivy green, the prettiest picture you've ever seen. It's Christmas in Killarney with all of the folks at home. Oh, man, this it's is delightful. It's nice to kiss your bow and cuddling under the mistletoe. And Santa Claus, you know, of course, is one of the boys from home. There you go. I had that just in case it came up. <laughs> There you go, Mayor Pauls. Now, question for Mayor yeah. Pauls. Are you sick of that song, or is it, do you still have the love for it? You know, thankfully, we only hear it a few times a year. <laughs> <laughs> is, is there a special dance that goes with it? or? Um, there is. After people get into some Christmas cheer out here, yeah, the dancing that goes with that song tends to be quite hilarious. There, there will probably be some YouTube videos in the next couple of years showing it. Where is Killarney, by the way, for those unfamiliar? Uh, Killarney's in the southwest corner of the province. Uh, we're about uh, an hour south of, of Brandon, so we're located at the corner, the junctions of Highway 3 and 18. So I have, uh, 
I have to ask then the follow-up question that McNabb would probably tee up, but I'm going to beat her to the punch here. Uh, it's really a two question. Uh, one is, do you have a golf course? And two, <laughs> where should I eat if I come to Killarney? Okay, well, the answer to the first question is we actually have one of the nicest golf courses in Manitoba. We have an 18-hole golf course right here in town. Uh, and if, you, if you're if you a golfing fanatic, you should stump, come and stay in Killarney for about three days. You golf our 18-hole golf course on, on day one. You go to Pleasant Valley, which is about 20 minutes away, golf their 18-hole, and, and then you do either Boys of Eden or Glenbro. We have, uh, I think there's over 100 holes of golf within a 20-minute drive of our community. Wow. And the, sec- the second question could be a plug for my business. Uh, I actually own uh, the largest restaurant in, in Clarenceville Mountain. It's called the Barney Stone Pub and Restaurant, so I- I'd recommend that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know, Mayor Pauls. Blarney Stone, and you only hear Christmas in Killarney a few times a year. I used to work at Chi-Chi's, and I knew it was time to quit when I started singing and humming the Mexican music in the shower. So I I suspect you've heard that song more than a few times already this year. It it could be, yes. (laughs) Well, you've sold it to me in both winter and summer. Sounds like a great, great weekend ahead. Thank you very much. Yeah, this is an excellent community. You know, I have a lot of friends. I grew up just outside of Winnipeg. And when when I moved here about 25 years ago, uh, you know, people say, why would you want to move to Clarny, Manitoba? And I asked them, I said, well, what do you do on the weekends? And they say, well, we like to get out of Winnipeg and go to the lake. I tell them, I live at the lake, literally live at the lake 365 days a year in a friendly community with no crime that we can walk down the streets. Everybody knows each other. It's like we're a great big family. And, uh, and that's why I just love this community. All right, Mayor Rick Pauls joining us live on 680 CJOB. Killarney Mayor Rick Pauls, Christmas in Killarney this weekend, Santa Claus Parade tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. We've linked the information for that to the 680 CJOB Instagram story if you want. And then there's more stuff happening on Saturday. And just listening to all that uh, golf talk, the, the Killarney, Pleasant Valley, and then Boys of Vane, that sounds like a potential future location for the annual Laker Classic. Mm, Greg Really good idea. I, I would endorse that idea, in fact. I haven't played Killarney in probably 20 years in Pleasant Valley in about 18 years. Absolutely fantastic courses, both. And our Killarney colleague, Kim, would just love it if you came there. Yeah, I think so. She goes there quite often, and as I believe she's at now that memory serves, she has told me about the golf course there, so I think I will have to... I think I just heard her say that you can stay at her mom and dad's house. The whole group of you. <laughs> All 15 of us. All 15 of you. You're welcome at the Lawson household. <laughs> Mackling, we want to talk right now. We start this hour with the wait times. Yeah, the Canadian Institute for Health Information says ER wait times in Manitoba have dropped an average of 42 minutes. That equals 25%. That's down significantly, but still some of the worst in the country. So what's next? For more, we're joined now by Provincial Health Minister Cam Friesen. Good morning, Minister Friesen. Good morning, everyone. So we're the only province to see wait times drop this year uh, among the provinces reporting in Canada. But is that in part because we started at such a poor place to begin with, with such a low ranking? Well, let's pause on that first thought. Uh, Once a year, the Canadian Institute for Health Information updates a bunch of indicators to show how our health system is performing uh, compared to everybody else. 
and it's really good news for Manitoba. It's a, a very significant drop, measured, like you said, 25% for those people who are in an emergency room who will eventually be admitted to hospital, but also an almost 14% drop when it comes to that measurement of how long it takes to first be seen. So this is significant. Kai High is calling it most improved in Canada, and it really is something. But as you said, it doesn't mean we're there yet. It's, you know, it's not mission accomplished, but I think for Manitoba, what it means is it's not mission impossible. For too long under the previous government, people said, oh, well, we tried, and the wait times didn't go down for 10 years. Now we're seeing it is possible. Minister Friesen, you touched on something that I wanted to ask you about. Are there two measurements there in terms of when, say, that, that triage nurse, that gatekeeper assesses you, and then when you are kind of in that second waiting room, waiting to be examined, is that measured then from the time that you've been waiting there until you're actually seen? Help us uh, sort out the the different numbers there. Yeah, it can be a little confusing uh, for people. Kaihai tries to standardize their measurement, and they measure at the 90th percentile, but you're right, they're measuring two things. One is called an IPA, Initial Provider Assessment. How long does it take when you show up to initially be seen? The other metric being measured is the whole length of time from showing up all the way to if you eventually get admitted to hospital, how long did you actually spend in an emergency department? And remember, on both of those things, Manitoba is bucking a national trend and doing better, not worse. Every other province is getting higher wait times, not Manitoba. And even if you measure it, this is measuring, of course, from the 2016-17 year against the 2017-18 year. But when you look at it, even into this current 2018-2019 year, we're still going in the right direction. Is it really apples to apples, though, when you consider Victoria Hospital, which was often ranked one of the worst in the country for wait times, is no longer part of that ranking because it's now an urgent care facility? Well, right now, we know that whichever way you measure it, Manitoba uh, in the past was always at the bad end of this spectrum. Uh, so when, I, when you're looking at the data, and Manitobans, I welcome them to go online and see this data at the Your Health System site of Kai High. But when they go there, they'll see every single hospital in the WRHA is showing that improvement. Uh, every single one, some very significant. There's one more thing I'd want to add as well. It's not the only place as Manitoba is doing well. There's about 10 indicators in which we've improved on. And one huge one is actually with the personal care home weights, where we're showing tremendous drops uh, for those seniors who are used to be waiting in a hospital uh, to be able to go to a personal care home. Those numbers are dropping enormously. Well, Minister Friesen, I, I want to compliment uh, the, the system change on this front. You have taken one hospital out of the system in terms of one ER. So that means either people are getting the message about using emergency rooms in an appropriate fashion and are self-directing uh, themselves to other facilities and points of care. And our population continues to grow. So we've got even more people in the city of Winnipeg in the province of Manitoba who fewer emergency rooms are, are trying to serve. Well, you're right. It, and it's complex. But at the end of the day, this is about trying to provide better health care to Manitobans because, because they deserve it. And that's what our plan is based at, is looking at the evidence to say, look, we've got great people 
who work in healthcare. Our responsibility is to organize the system in such a way that it makes sense, is the most efficient, and that's the way we're going to actually drive down wait times. And so this is one more signal that indeed that is the case. We're going in the right direction. We're not there yet. But we're going in the right direction, and Manitobans are finally starting to see drops in persistently high wait times. We know change is coming next summer to Seven Oaks and Concordia with their ERs. Can we go to rural Manitoba? Can you give us a date for when those smaller towns might learn what's happening with their ERs? Well, actually, I think that what I would say to you is there is no shoe that is about to drop for rural Manitoba. This change that we're making is one that we're making carefully over time. Right now, there's a process going on in Manitoba that's called the Provincial Clinical and Preventative Services Planning. And we've tapped some very capable Manitoba clinicians on the, on the shoulder and said, please help us. In areas like acute medicine, primary care, uh, paramedicine, cardiac care, 14 different working groups. And we said, go out there, look at the state of how we do this in Manitoba, and tell us how we can better organize this. So for rural and urban, over time, that change is going to be based on evidence and clearly talked about. I don't think Manitobans should expect that there's going to be some enormous surprise. They're going to wake up one Monday morning and see the health care system change. We're going to change it together as Manitobans to get better results. Health Minister Cam Friesen, thank you very much for the time. We appreciate it, sir. Thank you. Repeat the question. Greg? Recent warning from Winnipeg police of a suspicious person in Transcona has some parents on alert. Yeah, officers say a 10-year-old girl was headed to school on Harvard Avenue near Winona when a man began chasing her. She was able to safely get to a relative's house. It's triggered questions about what parents these days instruct their kids to do in situations like this. Global's Kevin Hirschfield spoke to some members of the Block Parent Program to find out if the decades-old neighborhood safe haven still has a role in today's digital world. Some people we spoke with today were surprised to learn Block Parents still existed. And while the program is still around, their numbers are down sharply. For more than 30 years, it's been a familiar site for children in trouble in Winnipeg looking for a safe haven. But in recent years, George and Jerry Jarvis have run into a roadblock. What we need is more, more participation from our, from our homes in Winnipeg. When the program first launched in Winnipeg in 1986, 16,000 homes signed up in the first few years. Now, there are just over 600 block parents in the city. A significant drop putting the future of the program in doubt. Now, the Jarvises hope they can have 10 to 15 homes per elementary school signed up for the program. And with 173 of those schools in Winnipeg, that would mean a total of close to 2,000 homes. Cheryl has been a block parent for 15 years, but has never had someone come to her house looking for help and wonders if she'll continue. Children, I don't think, are going to come to people's strangers' houses, even if they do have a sign. You know, uh, they'd rather use their phones and call someone to come pick them up. She thinks the program might be out of date. They're trying to do something for the community, but I don't know if it's really a need anymore. But Jarvis says this is the only community safety program of its kind in Winnipeg and will keep on working so it doesn't fade away. Who knows when a problem's going to happen? That's what safe homes are all about. That's what block parents are about. Kevin Hirschfield, Global News. I... I really don't remember the last time I've seen a block parent sign, but I think I'm just, I go for a walk all the time. 
And I walk by past dozens of houses, but I just never look, so I'll have to see if I can spot one now. So the idea would be that these people go through a process, right? And then they, therefore, it, you would tell your kids, look yeah. for the sign so that that's where you would go if you were ever in trouble. Right now, my kids are at the age where they're not going for extensive walks. I'm usually with them. And if they're in their neighborhood, they know everybody. And I've said, you know, go to her house or go to this house, right? If you have trouble. Yeah, I can remember at least four or five block parents along Golding Street. I was a paper boy for a lot of years and it was a big deal. I think the number I saw this morning was about 16,000 Winnipeggers were involved in this at its peak. And now it's down to about 600. Oh boy. But we just received a couple of text messages from a loyal listener. And uh, he says to me, my wife and I are applying to B block parents. I asked how extensive that process is. He says, you fill out the application. It's one page. Then a background check to make sure you're not a creep. And uh, he says, we live in Transcona and that this story helped their decision to get involved. So good on you. Uh, I'm just keeping the first name out. I know your first name, Texter, but I'm going to keep it out of the on-air conversation. I think it's important that if you feel compelled, you know, so often we go, well, what do we do about a situation like that? Here's one thing you can do. If this is happening in your in your neighborhood and you feel compelled and, and you think you're around enough that you could be helpful to kids that might need a safe place to go, then by all means investigate becoming a part of this program. Why are the numbers down? Are there fewer block parents because we just stopped talking? Talking about it. Commercials used to run when I was younger and you'd have your school teacher or other explain how the process yep. would work or your mom and dad did. I quite frankly forgot all about it. I haven't mentioned the phrase block parent to my kids, but when I think about it, I mean, even in this technology driven world, would technology help? Well, one of our texters, one of our listeners just texted that very point, Loren. Uh, block parent could easily become an app. That would be location-based, and if you need help, you could be directed to the nearest safe house. People in tech could build an app like this on a coffee break. But great idea. It's a great idea, but what age does your kid have a phone? Well, it seems like there's really every age. No. You know, I, no, I would my say, kids do not have a phone, and they will not, not get everyone. one. It's the 80-20 no, rule. It's not 80-20. I'm saying it's, the point would be that you'd point the, you would drive to your neighborhood with your kid and say, if you're on your way home from school right. and this is your route, here are the six houses. Take a look. Watch for that two, sign. The two could work in concert with one another. For sure. I, I don't think anyone's saying, you know, make it exclusively digital because, as you point out, that wouldn't work for everyone. And I think, uh, you know, this is a, just an, another idea to add. No, it's a good idea. You know, if you had a distress button or something and something could pop up, uh, hey, that's just floated uh, just in the last couple of minutes. And I think it, it's something to look into without question. So this weekend, Saturday, December 1st, Sunday, December 2nd, Monster Jam will be performing at Bell MTS Place. And in studio with us, we have Canadian driver Cam McQueen, the driver of Northern Nightmare, which is the only Canadian branded branded truck. And he's in studio with us now. Cam, good morning to you, sir. Good morning. And in case people are wondering why we're listening to the song, this is... This is the theme song for Northern Nightmare. So when you come out... This is That's what we right. hear. And actually, this will be the first time I've heard it, because when the truck's running, I can't hear a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have to wear, like, uh, gear over your ears when you're in the truck? Yeah, it's part of our safety equipment. Um, I actually have earphones that go right into my ears, and that gives me communication with my crew chief, and then uh, a head sock, a fire sock, and then my helmet. So quite well insulated for sound. 
I'm so, sorry, a fire sock? Yeah, it's uh, it's basically a, a fireproof head sock that we put on. It's like a toque ninja mask that covers your whole face. And uh, just, again, part of our safety gear, which is key in Monster Jam. I think Loren would call it a balaclava. A balaclava. There you go. <laughs> now, right. this is, you're the only uh, Canadian-branded truck. Where, where does this truck live when it's not performing, Cam? Well, it uh, travels all over the world. So we have a couple shops uh, in the United States, one in Florida, one in Chicago. Um, and then the rest of the time, it's it's in the back of a trailer traveling around or at the shows and the venues that we're performing at. So it, it's all over the map. It's hard to keep track of. How I'll- does one become what a monster truck monster truck driver like what you know where about your your journey in life where you suddenly climbed into <laughs> this big post that on linkedin yeah, yeah. Yeah. How do I apply? <laughs> yeah there was no job posting here it was uh it was one of those childhood dreams i just forgot to grow up so it was literally something i i saw when i was six or seven years old went to a show with my dad and i said dad i want to drive a monster truck one day and obviously fast forward many years and maybe a few decades and here i am but uh it was just a dream and it was a goal and uh, once I set my sights on it, uh, I just made sure I was going to achieve it. Is that one of those things that you tell other people about? Because in my mind, that's the only way it happens. If other folks are kind of looking out for you for the opportunity to maybe take that next step or brush shoulders with the proper people who can invite you into the inner sanctum, so to speak. Well, you're 100% correct. And that ties into my whole life story. Uh, if we go back again to that seven-year-old kid, which I see every weekend at our shows now, and, and he says to his dad, I want to drive a monster truck one day. Uh, that's a dream. That's a goal that, that that kid has. And unfortunately, I feel like nowadays uh, there's such a push through the education systems, coaches, parents, uh, leaders, whatever it may be, that we have these these set rules and uh, you know normal occupations where they push you in that direction. This is just my feeling, but uh, I, I experienced it in high school when I did a career prep course and uh, what are you going to be when you grow up? Um, so of course I, I did all my research and I handed in the paper and it was a stuntman. And my teacher looked at that paper and he kind of laughed and he said, come on, Cam, you got to take this seriously. You know, you need a real career. You got to be a doctor, a lawyer, a police officer, a mechanic or whatever. So he gave it back to me and I said, well, okay. I went back to the drawing board and I came back with a monster truck driver. (laughs) (laughs) And And, uh, you never phoned him up and said, well, the story continues. He failed me on the paper and I still have that paper. And he thought I was clowning him and that this was just something I wasn't taking seriously. So uh, that even pushed me further to say, you know what? Guess what I'm going to do? So fast forward 10 years from that time, and I had been on the road with Nitro Circus doing stunt work and crashing motorcycles and all that. And then I had just started my career in Monster Jam, and I ran into that teacher at the gas station. And uh, sure enough, you know, a little small talk. And he said, oh, what are you doing these days? <laughs> when I told him, he kind of he stopped and, and looked at me like I was clowning him again. <laughs> And uh, no, I said, for real, that's that's what I'm doing. And there was a couple friends around that confirmed, yeah, that's what he's been doing. So the teacher kind of hung his head and walked away pretty sheepishly. But um, again, back to my story, I tell that all the time to the kids and whatever it is, your dreams, your goals, you got to chase them. And you're going to have a lot of negativity from teachers, coaches, parents, but just work through that and, and chase your dreams and achieve them. So as far as adversity goes, you mentioned that you wear this fire sock in the truck. Have you ever sustained any injuries while you're driving? 
Um, nothing that I know of yet. Uh, we do get rattled around a lot in there, and it's kind of like getting in a car wreck every weekend. But that being said, everything we do in Monster Jam is all for safety. So the fire sock is just one small element of a whole suit. You know, the whole suit is fireproof. We have fire suppression on board. Uh, we wear a very extensive neck and head restraint called a Han system, similar to NASCAR. Obviously, our helmet, our visors, our gloves, our boots. Um, and not just for us, that makes the truck safe and our roll cage, but also for the fans. We have uh, what's called a an RII, which is a remote ignition interrupter. So basically a walkie-talkie that at any time they can shut my truck off. If they see a problem mechanically, if they see a fire uh, on the brake rotors or something, which happens, um, or a problem with the track, they can shut me down instantly by remote control. So that's for the fan safety. The fact that we don't sell you know, the bottom 10 rows of seats at any events is another safety thing. Um, we have crew guys all around watching the whole thing, cameras going, the whole deal. So yeah, safety is first and foremost for sure. Now, it's a super affordable family entertainment. It's 15 bucks. That's where the tickets start for this. Again, happening Saturday and Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock at Bell MTS Place, Monster Jam. Our guest is Cam McQueen, driver of Northern Nightmare, the only Canadian-branded truck. What is it about monster trucks that's just so appealing to kids in particular? Well, that's a great question, and and people tend to gravitate towards the kids liking Monster Jam, and we'll see it every weekend. They come out to the pit party, which is before every show. We've got an hour and a half where they can get right up close and personal with us and the trucks. It's something you don't see in any other sport, whether it's motorsports or entertainment. You know, you can't go to the game tonight and say, hey, can we go talk to the goalie after the game? It just doesn't happen. So with Monster Jam, we have that interaction with the fans that adds a whole new element, um, whether it's questions we answer or those, those life stories that you can share with the kid but i think in general the trucks are just so big they're they're larger than life and these kids see them and i see it all the time the parents or grandparents bring the kids out thinking oh we're gonna go you know bring the kids and then by the end of the show they're coming up hey that was awesome you can tell they enjoyed it just as much so it's definitely family fun it's clean fun and the interaction between the drivers and the trucks you know there's there's obviously uh northern nightmare there's grave digger there's all the fan favorites and then they have the puppy dog trucks and everything else so there's always something for somebody to get into to. Um, there's a lot of female drivers out there now. There's actually a female driver from Winnipeg here that's on tour with Monster Jam now, um, Amy Hood. So she's got this whole fan following after her. And for myself, having the Canadian themed truck, it's a pretty easy one for the Canadian fans. So there's something for everybody. But uh, besides the three hours of entertainment you get, there's also the pit party. And, and then after the show... Um, we always do a post-show autograph session as well. So that's where you see the reactions. And I always say, you know, what did you like the most? And did you like it? And every, I, I've never had anybody yet be disappointed. So I've been to the show. We've taken <clears throat> our kids. They love it. And I've often wondered, do you practice for this? Because, it, you know, <laughs> at face value, it looks like just a bunch of trucks going up and down some hills and everybody mm-hmm. having a really good time. But is, there's a skill to it, I'm guessing, that you can't just hop into a truck and turn at a certain angle without tipping over, right? <laughs> so- That's absolutely correct. And with Monster Jam, it's such a different animal. There's, there's nothing quite like it. I've driven a lot of stuff. Uh, in my lifetime, and uh, a Monster Jam truck is so unique. Um, the fact that you're a center position, you're 10 feet off the ground, surrounded by this fiberglass body, uh, your vision is is very uh, short. And I basically compare it to sitting in your car and putting binoculars on and duct taping your head to the headrest because that's about the visibility you have. So um, I used to say that there's no such thing as practice in Monster Jam, um, which technically there isn't. But now they've created what's called Monster Jam University, where in the off season, they have a training facility for some of the newer drivers. Um, Old dogs like me don't get that opportunity. So basically, anytime I'm in the truck at a show, that is practice. 
Hmm. Wanted to ask you as well, uh, are you doing something today with the Dream Factory? That's actually tomorrow afternoon, yes. Uh, and that's that's huge. Um, aside from the pit parties and the shows and driving a monster truck, which is a dream come true for me, uh, it's a chance for us to give back uh, to some special fans. And these kids, um, they, have, they have these dreams. And for us to be able to make that dream come true for these special kids is unreal. Um, we do it at a lot of different venues. And to do it here in Winnipeg, it'll be a first time for me. Um, we do a lot with the children's hospitals and all that as well. But those visits are uh, so close to home for myself. I have two young boys and, um, you know, it, it's tough. I'll be honest with you to meet these families, but at the same time to see what the kids are getting out of it and the families and the smiles, it's, it's unreal. Yeah. It really makes it all worthwhile. You're bringing a lot of joy to a lot of people that might not otherwise get that opportunity. Cam, I can only imagine the transformation, the jets and the Blackhawks play tonight, <laughs> and then you're going to be performing tomorrow <clears throat> and over the weekend. And so the transformation of these venues from either football stadiums or hockey rinks or what have you is incredible. Uh, how many people does it take to put on a show like this? Well, you're right. It's quite an operation, and uh, I've been fortunate enough to uh, get invited to the game tonight, so I'm really looking oh, forward nice. to that. And from the time I leave my seat after the game tonight until when I get back to the building early tomorrow morning, it will have transformed. There'll be thousands of yards of dirt that get trucked in uh, all through the night. And, of course, being in Winnipeg here, a lot of the time the dirt's frozen, so it needs to thaw out overnight. Then we bring in all the equipment, and, and um, we build the course we bring in the crush cars from the wreckers that become part of the obstacles um so our crew this weekend alone consists of uh, about 25 staff members that will be fully involved here and on top of that all the operations and stuff that goes on back at the office but it's it is incredible to see what's going to happen from uh, let's say 11 o'clock tonight until 7 a.m tomorrow morning uh it'll look completely different and then we get into our show for the weekend and then back to normal on sunday night so one last question, just out of curiosity. What does it cost to replace a monster truck tire? <laughs> well, we have uh, tires that are specifically made for our Monster Jam trucks. They actually say that on there, so you're not supposed to put those on any other vehicles, which is <laughs> good to know. Um, but between the, the rubber, the actual tire, and what's called a bead lock, which is our special wheel, uh, about $5,000 a corner. Ooh. Wow. And just I, before we go, quick question from one of our listeners, Eve. Do you ever wish you're in the monster truck when you're stuck in traffic in your normal car? <laughs> you know, it would come in handy, but uh, I was just telling these guys on the way over here, my wife always gives me a hard time. When I get in a regular vehicle, my Toyota Prius at home, I drive like a total grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> He's carbon neutral, folks. Carbon neutral. Cam McQueen, the driver of Northern Nightmare, happening this weekend at Monster Jam, Bell MTS Place, Saturday and Sunday afternoon, December 1st and 2nd, 1 p.m. The pit party is 10.30 until noon, and then as well at 7 p.m. on Saturday. Thank you so much for coming in, Cam. This is a lot of fun. Great Thanks to meet you. Thanks for having me. The Start On Demand is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.